Come on, ball, everybody. That's how I've stepped in for Tim this morning. Uh, that's why he wants a big round of applause. Good morning, everybody. Um, uh, what I'm really loving this morning is that you've, you, it's, it's, it's the carol service tonight, and you've come. That's brilliant. Well done, all of you. What I really like is how you've sat in the same seats you normally sit in, except because we've got more seats in, you're further away than usual. So if you sit on the back left-hand corner, you sit at the really far back left-hand corner. You're brilliant. We love you all to bits. We've got this coming up on Christmas Day, 25th of December. It's the Christmas show and tell. Who's going to be there for the Christmas show and tell? Yeah! It's where all the dads get to bring their kids' toys and play with them. It's brilliant. We love it. Uh, so I encourage you to be there. We have a good time. We just take a short time out. I love it. We start with a drink and probably for about 45 minutes or so, we'll just uh, have a, a small time together and focus our day on the Lord. Um, because it's actually, it's about Christ. And then we'll go back and we spend time with our families, whatever we do in Christmas Day. But I encourage you to be here. Um, there was a slight ripple and a, a, a murmur went round this morning when, I hope you've all got your tickets, Tim said. If you've not got a ticket for tonight, that doesn't mean you're banned from the building. It just means we can't guarantee you've got a seat. Okay? We can have a little bit of standing room. Uh, last year we were full to capacity and beyond. Um, hopefully this year we'll, we'll manage again. We've got a little bit more seating this year, so we're going to have a good time uh, this evening. It's going to be an exceptional time. So, um, this morning we're going to be looking at Risky Christmas. Did you know Christmas is risky? Were you all aware of this? Thank you. You're further away. You're going to have to shout up. I can't hear you because you're on the edges. Go on. Christmas is risky. ROSPA, is that the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents? Is that right? The Royal Society of Prevention of Accidents has issued regular warnings about a whole range of hazards just waiting to happen, all of them arising from what you thought were in- innocent Christmas-related activities. On Christmas Day 2014, more than 6,000 people were taken to hospital. And over the full 12 days of Christmas, the number of casualties rose by an additional 80,000 people. So what can possibly go wrong with Christmas? What on earth do people manage to do to turn delight into disaster, transforming celebrations into commiserations at Christmas? The most common accidents are... Anybody know what the most common accident is at Christmas? Scissors. Cutting themselves wrapping presents or cutting themselves opening presents with pointy scissors. Then there's a... Then there's a whole range of bruises and broken limbs. Often children end up in hospital with um, cut heads and broken elbows and wrists from falling off their new bicycles and skateboards. Then there's a fascinating series of decorated-related accidents. Um, There are a number of eye injuries every year caused by needles from the tree or holly. Oh, you can just feel that one, can't you? There are a number of uh, falls every year as people try to hang their Christmas cards. Should have that one up, really. <laughs> Even tinsel is the cause of trips and falls, resulting in broken wrists. wrists. Lego-related injuries increase, as do kitchen-related injuries. Um, Lego is regularly swallowed at Christmas. Not only do people stand on it, kids eat it, as do animals. And finally, Christmas tree decorations account for more than 350 emergency admissions to hospital every year through electrocution. 350 people in this country will be electrocuted by their trees this year. Vets have the... uh, Happy Christmas. 
Vets have the same problem. Numerous dogs have to be rushed to the, have to be rushed to the vets uh, every year because they've eaten chocolates off the tree. I don't know if you know, but chocolate is very poisonous to dogs and you should never feed them. And so every year, dogs end up being rushed to the vets having eaten tree chocolates and chocolates and after eights left around on the floor. Please don't feed chocolates to your dogs this Christmas. Or ever. Thankfully, most people taken into hospital find themselves in a stable condition. Oh, come on, that was worth more than that. No one ever thinks of the dangerous side of Christmas. No one ever thinks of danger at Christmas. And when we think of the Christmas story, we're always caught up by the the, the loveliness and, oh, bless, and isn't it sweet? And, And we kind of... Turn it into this, we're doing it tonight by the way, we're turning it into this kids event with kids choirs and kids, this is our stable and the kids are going to be all over it making a kind of scene and all that kind of thing. When I say making a scene, they'll be creating a scene, not making a scene. One or two of them, the small ones may well make a scene and kick off, but generally we're hoping to create a picturesque Christmas scene. But the Christmas story is so much more than going, oh bless, and seeing little kids. There are two episodes in Christmas story that often get left to one side. I'm just going to touch on them really briefly because it's a very short time this morning, short sermon. We might, but wasn't it great to start with God speaking into our life this morning? You know, I've got to be honest, I rock up at this meeting. I always, I always look forward to meeting, but I always think, well, we'll get through all this morning. And immediately, Sue challenges that. You know what? We've met in Jesus' name. Of course, he's going to be here. Of course, he wants to speak to his people. We've met in his name. We might enjoy our newspapers, I've discovered. People like bad news. Have you noticed this? People love bad news. People enjoy bad news. They buy newspapers, they watch the news. There's also, Paul, I'm going to have to be really rude. Can you turn your lights off? It's doing my head in. <laughs> Paul's jumper's flashing at me down. I cannot concentrate. <laughs> no, sorry, Paul's jumper's flashing at me. Paul's not flashing at me. I mean, that really would be distracting. Oh, my word. I've got an image in my mind I no longer want. Okay. People love to present bad news. They love to throw bad news at us. The the world at the moment is full of bad news and people unable to make decisions or understand. There's such incredible division about the place. Everywhere you look, people are falling out, people are name-calling, people are pointing, people are critical. Humor has become personal and nasty. The news stories have become divisive. It's like there is a cluelessness about our world at the moment, and most of it is a cluelessness surrounded by bad news. We want to do the good parts of Christmas. We want to say, oh, bless. We want to see the shepherds and the sheep, the wise men, the Christmas presents. We want to see babies and farmyard animals. We want to see angels singing. We want that side of Christmas. We want to keep Christmas nice. Who would like nice Christmas? Raise your hand now. Excellent. Nice Christmas. But people leave out the risk of Christmas. See, Christmas was the most incredible risk. God took the most incredible risk. He gave his only son. It's risk. Leave out the disaster, leave out the tragedy, leave out the heartache because it upsets our Christmas. But the Christmas story is one of incredible blessing and incredible risk and incredible heartache at the same time. And really briefly this morning I want to touch on that because I believe it tells us about where we can be going into 2019. It tells us about what God can be doing with us. There's one tragic episode is the account of what Herod did next. It's amazing we never did what Herod did next. Sorry, I've got a really funny picture in my mind. It's not funny at all, but if you want to know what Herod did next, I want you to watch the film Nativity, 
I just want you to know, we will not be reenacting that tonight in our nativity. But Herod was a barbaric, terrible man. I'm going to come on to him a little bit later, just to mention that he's a darker side because there is opposition to the good news of Jesus Christ. There always has been. But in Luke chapter 2, my favorite characters crop up. You know, if you've, you've known me being a Christian or ever stand here any, anywhere remotely around Christmas, I will keep just reading these verses again and again. Luke 2 verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's a Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That is really good news. It is just good news. At the very moment that Jesus arrived, that opportunity, that transformation, that present... The enormity of that is just fantastic. Peace on earth and those on whom his favor rests. I just want you to understand that in the original Greek, it's so much more. When it says peace on those, it actually, the inference is that peace is going to be within us. It's going to dwell within us. There's something on the inside, a peace inside. So it's, not, it's, not, it's so much more than the absence of war. It's actually an, a, a peace and an ease with God, a connection with God and with His people. There's a peace in there that's so much bigger than just not fighting. There's an eternal thing going off here with a peace in them on whom His favor rests. That peace comes from a response to Jesus first finding His favor. Favor in Greek means the focus of our desire, the place where we find our fulfillment. So as we find our desire and fulfillment in Christ, there is a godly supernatural peace resides within us. And that's a remarkable thing, isn't it? That's what God is saying. That's what God is saying to us. As a church, we should be those kind of people that walk about with our desire and our fulfillment focused on Christ so that within us is a godly peace. That's where we need to be. That changes our conversation. That changes our internal conversation. It changes how we talk to one another. It changes how we view one another. It changes the conversation that we have on the outside. Something different has happened. That is a beautiful thing that is blessed. But the Christmas story is a dramatic story. It's not just angels appearing. Every drama needs its villain, and King Herod fits the role perfectly. Does anybody know about King Herod? King Herod was a really bad person. However you dress it up, King Herod is so bad, he's like, he's like Game of Thrones bad. He's, he's nothing you could make up in a story could be as bad as King Herod is bad. King Herod is real cloak and dagger type. Yeah, the slightest hint of rebellion, he just kills people just in case. In fact, two of his sons were a bit uppity, so he killed his sons. This is a historical fact. Herod killed his own sons because he thought, hey, they're getting quite good at what they do. One day they make quite good kings. Just a minute, I'm the king. So he killed his sons just so they couldn't be better kings than he was. This is not a nice person. And he's in the middle of this story. Herod was paranoid about retaining his power. And so so very aware of his own sons that he put them to death. The threat was removed. The focus of his desire, the focus of his fulfillment was power. And so he had no peace. Enter the wise men. So the wise men visit Herod because they're looking for the king. So they naturally go to the palace. 
And they say, where's the king of the Jews? And Herod says, if you find him, come and tell me where he is so that I can worship him too. We know he would not have worshipped. We know what he would have done to Jesus. But despite Herod's requests, the wise men are amazing. And they were warned by God. And the wise men did not return to tell Herod exactly where the baby, the newborn king, was found. They went home and avoided a palace visit. And at once Herod realized he'd been outwitted. And then a great tragedy began to unfold where he puts to death any child he finds that could possibly be the king. You see, the nativity moment, happy Christmas, the nativity moment opens the door. The nativity moment, the nativity moment opens the door to choices and opportunity. We are for God. Our desire and fulfillment becomes focused on Christ and we find peace within. Or our desire and fulfillment becomes about ourselves and something quite different and we lose peace within. And that's the nature of the, the story. The minute Christ appears, the minute Christ appears, then we have decisions to make. The minute Christ appears, then we, we are presented with this opportunity to be, to be filled with peace and joy and an opportunity that is God-focused, that is God-fulfillment, or to do our own thing. It's stark at that moment. They're, they're the only options we have. But we would love the Christian life to be risk-free and safe, but it's not. Sorry, this is meant to be quite a happy sermon. I've suddenly realized it's really not. <laughs> this year, for us as a church, has seen so much happen in individual lives across this whole congregation. So much stuff happening in people's lives. There's been so much new arrivals, and there's been departing, there's been good news and bad news. There's been loss and there's been gain. There have been doors that have closed on us, doors that have opened on us. Some people have connected with us, others have moved on. And all that stuff is just turmoil and difficult. We want a nice, relaxed, relaxed faith. We want it relaxed. We want it safe. We want it peaceful and calm. We want no hassle. We want no risk in our lives. But the shepherds even, on a hillside, even they were confronted with a choice, with a risk, at the minute of that nativity moment. They have to decide we've had a great experience or we can go and see. And even when they go and see Christ, when they're confronted with Christ, then they have an option. Do we just go back and think on this, or do we go and share it? And we know that the shepherds then immediately go and share the thing that they've seen. They go and tell everybody. The wise men risk all. The shepherds risk all. The shepherds went to tell everybody. The wise men went to a king, and they went to the king, and then went home. They all risked everything, but they chose Christ first. Both choose, because Jesus graciously gives us the Christmas gift of choice. Church, I want to tell you this morning, I believe God gives us the gift of choice. Please leave out the risk, you might say, the tragedy and the heartache. It might upset our Christmas, and we don't want to think about the reality. But reality jerks us out of nostalgia. Um, Christmas is not a fairy tale. It's not a world of tinsel. It's not a world of turkey. It's not a world of nativity plays. It's the truth of Jesus Christ arriving on earth. God incarnate. See, a little bit later in the nativity story, Mary and Joseph take Jesus, their newborn child, to the temple to give thanks for him. And an elderly man called Simeon, who's been waiting for the Messiah to come, takes the child and just prays for him and brings his praises to God. But even as he's thanking God for this child, as he's singing God's praises, holding this small child, Jesus, he begins to talk about the choices that are in front of us. If you want to look up the story, I think it's in Luke, isn't it? 
but he talks about the impact this child will have and that choices will be in front of us, opportunity will be in front of us, division will be because there will be people that will choose for Jesus and people that choose against Jesus, people that will be for him and follow him, people that will reject him and walk away. So from the very moment Jesus enters into nativity, we are presented with a choice, and it was always clear. The, the, the shepherds knew it, the wise men knew it, Simeon knew it, the angels declared it. And once again, we encounter part of the Christmas story that leaves us uncomfortable. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. We want to be in a manger where he's safe, but actually he's saying at that very moment, there is peace within you if I become the focus of your desire and fulfillment. Or you can step away. It is that black and white. It is that blunt. But church, this is good news. We fall into a pattern of seeking our fulfillment and desire anywhere and everywhere. But in Jesus, the conflict and tension can end. Did you know that? Life conflict and tension can end. When we make Jesus the focus of our desire and fulfillment. Who would like life tension to end? Raise your hand now. Those that don't want their life tension to end, wow. I want the life tension that I have to end. And actually, the only place I can find peace in me is in Christ. That's when conflict and tension can change. Doesn't mean there won't be battles. Doesn't mean there won't be challenges. Doesn't mean we don't have an enemy. But what it means is that my security in eternity becomes secure at that nativity moment. When we give our lives to Christ, when we see who he is, church, we are given an incredible gift that we can share. See, here is the outcast shepherd and those that they told in the town meeting with purpose. Here is the young couple, Mary and Joseph, meeting with purpose. Here are the educated wise men meeting with purpose. Here is you and me finding our purpose and our fulfillment and our desire met. There is nowhere and no person in history there is nobody brings peace in us, people like you and me, like Jesus Christ. So for all the conflict, for all the tensions, for all the, the disputes, and for all the challenges, for all the pressures that we have in our lives, even within this room, know this, in Jesus, in Jesus, when he's our desire and fulfillment, there is peace within. That needs to change our conversations. That needs to change how we speak to one another. That needs to change how we respond to one another. It needs to change how we react. It needs to change the way we live our lives outside. It means that what we carry in this room needs to be different outside. Because I've got a feeling, church, that God is saying, this has been a tough old year. You have fought hard this year, but you are still standing. I think God has a word over our coming months. And I think the word over this church over the coming months is one of joy. I think God wants to place joy into the life of this church. Does that mean there won't be battles? Of course there'll be battles. Does it mean there won't be pressures and tensions? There'll be pressures and tensions. There'll be all sorts of things happening. But here's the, here's the watchword. This is a, the good news of Jesus is a story of joy. Yeah. And we need to become a people of joy. Yeah. And if there's one watchword that needs to hang over this church, it's one of joy. So when we are facing one another, when we're having conversations, when we're challenged by one another, when we have to get things right, when we're working side by side, when we're carrying good news out, when we're working in our sphere of life, when we're in our job, when we're in our place of employment or in the shop corner, we need to become a people of joy. Because for goodness sake, our eternity's tied up. It's sorted. So peace within. Jesus' birth means a spiritual life has become practical in your everyday life. And your practical everyday life has become spiritual. Jesus is the Son of Man and He's the Son of God. 
So our spiritual and our practical have been bound up together. Do you understand that? Because the Son of God became the Son of Man. Our spiritual and our practical human become bound up together in God. And that gives us peace inside. This is a good news story that we have. And this is a joyful story that we have. And joy is a kingdom value. Romans 14 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. So here's the deal this year. I want to receive human approval. Because if people look at Hope House, if people look at Paul Bedford, what I want them to say is, that guy's joyful. Look at all the stuff that's gone off in his life, and yet he's still joyful. Why is he still joyful? Because we have an eternal Savior. So no matter what happens in this life, at this moment, this year, this week, in the next 10 minutes, we have an eternal Savior that we can be joyful in. Joy to the world. His favor rests on us. It's a Holy Spirit thing. The Holy Spirit does this. I don't even have to conjure this up from within myself. I don't even have to work at it or strive at it. I don't have to like, press a certain set of buttons. This is a gift of God. It's part of my salvation. This is part of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit like never before if we are to be a joyful people. So this year, in the last few weeks, we have connected with so many people. We have connected with Crisis when we had their carol service near a week or so back. How amazing, those of you that are here, how amazing was that to have those people in there? number of people that have lost their way in God that are part of Crisis that used to walk with him. You know, let's pray for those souls to rediscover who Jesus is. Because I don't just want to open our building up to people. We want them to be connecting to joy in Christ. We, we were singing at the hospital, carols, and, the, and you know, I've got to be honest, where's Tra- is Tracy in here? Look, I've got to be honest, Tracy, I love you and all that, but I did it simply out because you smiled at me with a big grin on your face and I couldn't say no. I loved it! New church tradition, we need to find a way to sing in the hospital every year. Sorry, I've just dropped us in it. But it was so easy and such a blessing for 30 minutes. Let's pray that we're a joyful people that bring good news into a situation like that. We had the Remedy group that hired our building across the way that we were great, able to support, that they're working with supported families. It's great to be joyful and helpful and to bless them. We had the wind band in here, we had a great time. Um, if you missed the wind band, we're gonna, <laughs> I'm going to promote that. That was bonkers. Um, but that was great, having brass bands and wind bands on stage of all varying abilities. But they were here and they were blessed. They need to be around joyful people. We've got the cheeky monkey stuff in. We've had the full bank. We've had the community meal. Um, all sorts of new friends connected into that. Because we are salt and light people connecting with good news, we need to be joyful people in that setting. Church, let's make this our commitment that we'll be joyful people. That whatever we do, whatever we say, that we will seek to be a blessing to those around us. That in our conversation, it will bring joy to the person we're with. In our conversation, it will bring joy. In our conversation, it will bring peace. It will touch lives. Even within this room, as a tough year closes and we celebrate the birth of our King, let's remember, this isn't just a tough year. This has been a blessed year because God has been here. God has done things. In the midst of our enemy throwing things at us, we have walked in God. And he has blessed us. Let us recognize the gift of joy over us and for us and through us. And ask the band to come back up. (laughs) Rob. And the choir. Or some of it. They're going to give us a taster of tonight.
What are you singing? Are you singing Come Here First of all, Joy to the World? You better be singing Joy to the World now after that. We're not singing the Coventry Carol after I've just talked about Joy. No, what's the depressing carol? That Ulai Tulai one about Herod. What's that one? We're not singing. What's that one called? Looking ahead, we can choose a heart response. We can choose a heart response. Even this morning, we can choose a heart response. Will what I say, will what I do, will how I react be a joyful response? Will it bring peace to the other person? Will I be a good news carrier? Will I be salt and light? Holy Spirit, we pray now that you will rest on this church. Holy Spirit, we pray like never before. You will fill us and touch us. You will bring a release of that gift of joy. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, Lord, will abound in this place. Lord, I pick up on a, on a brief word this morning that Sue will pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray there will be many people to receive the Holy Spirit. There will be salvations, and then not just surviving, but people saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Walking into their discipleship and strengthened and emboldened and filled with joy by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to pray for this church that we will end well this year. We want to pray for tonight's service that we will have a joyful time, that there will be salvation. So why are we doing this, Lord? Because you're the answer. Because you have it. Because you say joy to the world. Because you are the God of joy. Because you bring peace in us. And Lord, we desire that. We want to desire you. We want our fulfillment to be you and our purpose to be you. Lord, give us the gift of joy that we might be a joyful people that carry hope and declare the praises of our God in this town. Amen.